Good morning, Chapel Hill. It is great to welcome you in worship, both those of you who are gathered here, those of you who are with us online. Good to have you starting your day with us in the house of the Lord. Here's a picture of our beautiful granddaughter, Cece. And uh, she's becoming increasingly conversant, both with her words and also with sign language, some of the signs that we have taught her, signing like more and all done, more and all done. So the other night, she made it very clear what her intentions were, both with both words and sign. She was staying overnight with us so that Cooper and Deb could have a little uh, date night, and we always enjoy that. But midway through our time together, she became kind of lethargic, felt hot, and we checked her, and she had spiked a temp. And so we, uh, to get a good reading, and as good grandparents that we are, we got a rectal thermometer <laughs> to get a better, accurate reading, and I uh, distracted her on the bed while Cindy did the deed. We weren't confident with the first reading, apparently. <laughs> so Cindy went in for seconds, and then just for good measure, thirds. And at that point, Cece looked up at me as I held her there, and she said as clearly as she has ever spoken, all done. <laughs> all done. It was hilarious and pathetic all at the same time. Later when Cooper was strapping her into her car seat, I leaned over and peeked in at our little sick girl and, and I went like this and she went right at me very wearily that way. And what she meant was, that was awful, Papa, and you're supposed to protect me. And what I meant was, we're done now. You were brave. It was good. Way to hang in there. I'm proud of you, but it's all done. Wouldn't it be great if there was an all done word in the New Testament, a word that meant comfort and empathy and endurance all at once? Well, by golly, there is such a word. It's a Greek word called parakalete. Say it with me, parakalete. It is an all-purpose verb, and it means comfort, exhort, help, defend, protect. Those are all great translations, but here's my favorite definition of parakalete, encourage. It means encourage. Parakalete means to come alongside another person and fill them with courage. Encourage. We are in a sermon series that we are calling the One Another's this summer. There are 59 different ways that the New Testament encourages us, the, the church, the body of Christ, on how we ought to treat one another. And you're seeing them flashed across the screen even now. 59 of them. We can't preach 59 sermons on this, so we've kind of collated it down into 10 categories for our summer series on the One Another's. Last week we talked about forgive one another. I wonder if any of you took that to heart and made some changes in your own relationship. This week we come to what I think is my favorite one another, encourage one another. Encourage one another. It is mentioned several times in several different ways throughout the New Testament, but my favorite comes from Paul's pen when he was writing to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses, verse 11. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, encourage, parakalete, encourage one another and build one another up 
just as you are doing. Let's read it together. Here we go. Back up just one moment. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you have taken a spiritual gifts inventory sometime in your life? Any of you? Decades ago, I took my first spiritual gifts inventory to find out what kind of gifts the Holy Spirit has put inside of me. I discovered that my number one gift is exhortation. Exhortation. It's kind of an unusual word that we don't use often. It means to give warnings or to er, offer urgent advice. And given what I do every Sunday morning about this time, it's probably a, a pretty good thing that I align in that way. But exhortation has a secondary meaning. The underlying meaning of exhortation is to encourage. To thoroughly encourage. To fill up with encouragement. And when I heard that definition, I knew that the test had gotten it right. Because I love to encourage. Perhaps it was my experience as a child. My home was filled with encouragement. My mom was an encourager, which is, I think, common. I think most moms have the encouragement kind of built into their genetic code. But my dad, too, was an encourager to, to me, out loud. And unfortunately, that's a little less common. Men can sometimes be uncomfortable offering words of encouragement, often because they never received them themselves, and they don't know quite how to do it. But both my mom and my dad were great encouragers to me. They would say, you can do it. Whatever it was, I could do it. They said, we believe in you. They said they were proud of me. I've told you this before. Dad still calls me on many Sunday afternoons to tell me I preached a great sermon. Now when he doesn't call, I figure he didn't think that much of the, of the message. But sometimes he'll say, that's the best sermon you've ever preached. You're just getting better and better. And I say, Dad, you are running out of time here, dude. That's a trajectory I can't keep up. It's too much pressure. So I was, I was raised in a home when I, where I was showered with words of encouragement. In fact, when Cindy and I first married, this became something of an issue. Because she was raised in a family that would say, good job, and that was it. And they meant it, but they didn't repeat it over and over again in different ways. And so in those first Sundays after we were married, I'd come home from church and Cindy would say, that was a good sermon. For her, that was effusive encouragement. For me, that was an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> I was waiting for the main course. Did you really like the sermon? Why did you like the sermon? What was the best part of the sermon? Tell me more. It was pathetic, really. It was pathetic. And over the years, Cindy has figured out I need a few more words, and I've learned to settle for fewer because I know what she says she means. So that's good. But encouragement has always mattered to me. But here's the deal. Encouragement matters to everyone. You look around you right now. Everyone around you could use a dose of encouragement. Everyone, except for sociopaths, everyone and I don't know if you're sitting next to one, so that you, that's your problem. But everyone longs for, wants, values, needs, blooms under words of encouragement, of, a, of appreciation, of recognition. It has been said that nine-tenths of education is encouragement. 
I wonder how many of you teachers would agree with that. I had a guy who just shout out first service, absolutely. I always learned best from the teachers who encouraged me most. Leadership guru John Maxwell says, a word of encouragement from a teacher to a child can change a life. A word of encouragement from a spouse can save a marriage. A word of encouragement from a leader can inspire a person to reach her potential. Frequent, heartfelt, well-considered words of encouragement can be one of the greatest gifts that you offer those in your circle of influence and to your brothers and sisters in Christ seated in church with you this morning and right next to you at home. And Paul understood this apparently. He wrote, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. He says similar things in other letters throughout the New Testament. But here's why I love this passage particularly. Not only does he encourage them to encourage one another, he encourages them for encouraging one another. He encourages that they are already doing it. He brags on them. Did you see that phrase? Just as you are doing that was encouragement. He was encouraging them. He said, you're already doing this, you guys. I'm so proud of you. Keep it up. Keep building one another up. You're doing a great job. Good, good, good job. We, we have a saying around here. You multiply what you bless. You multiply what you bless. In other words, if you want to get more of something, catch people doing it, and then bless them for it. Thank them for it. Brag on them. Encourage them. I think that's exactly what Paul is doing here. You guys keep on encouraging just the way you are already doing. I'm so proud of you for that. Last week I teased you about revealing to you this morning who my uh, favorite Bible carrier, uh, character is. The one I would like most to meet aside from Jesus. Given our topic for the morning, I wonder if any of you have figured it out. The guy I would most like to meet. The guy I'm looking forward to, to meeting in heaven. Any idea? Exactly right. My men's life guys shouted it out. Barnabas. Barnabas. We are introduced to him in Acts chapter 4. Here's what we read about this guy named Barnabas. Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we first meet Barnabas because he is a generous person. He's had a land deal, he's taking the proceeds of it, and he's giving it to the work of the early church. Now, pastors love that kind of generosity. In fact, we have that kind of generous people in our church. We wouldn't have accomplished what we did with Beyond These Walls if we, if we didn't. But that's not why he particularly fascinates me. It is the brief little description of him that jumps out for me. Here's what it said. Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. The apostles, that is the 12 guys who walked with Jesus, they were busy guys. The Holy Spirit had come upon them. Peter had preached his great Pentecostal sermon. 3,000 people had come to faith and they were being baptized and their numbers were growing day by day. And these poor guys were scrambling to keep up with the demands of a new church. But somehow, in the midst of all of this frenzy of activity, the apostles took note of a guy named 
Joseph. They noticed that he noticed other people. They noticed that he affirmed people. They noticed that he came alongside people and comforted people and helped people again and again and again. And it wasn't just one of the apostles who noticed this because the text said apostles, plural. Apostles noticed this guy. And they must have had a conversation about him at some point. I imagine it took place in their leadership team meeting that week. And Thomas said to the others, have you guys noticed this guy named Joseph from Cyprus? He's incredible. He's always building up other people, always affirming other people, always putting them first. He's such an encouragement. Thaddeus chimes in, you know what? I have noticed this guy, and you're right. Maybe, maybe we should give him a nickname. Maybe that is what we should call him, son of encouragement. Instead of Joseph, let's call him Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Mr. Encouragement. That's what we're going to talk to call him from now on. And the name stuck. Barnabas. Mr. Encouragement. When revival broke out in Antioch in a predominantly Gentile church, the Jewish leaders didn't know quite what to do with this. Who was it they sent up there to check out and see if this was a genuine work of the Holy Spirit? Mr. Encouragement. When they realized that it really was a work of the Spirit and they needed help discipling and training all of these young believers in Antioch who hiked 83 miles to a city called Tarsus to find a guy named Saul and urge him out of exile in order to help them. Mr. Encouragement. When they decided to send a missionary team to share the gospel with the rest of the Roman Empire, who was the first person listed for that team? Mr. Encouragement. And later, after young John Mark abandoned that team for reasons unknown to us, who wanted to give him another chance despite Paul's wishes? It was Mr. Encouragement. And by the way, at the end of Paul's life, when he asked Mark to come and visit him in prison before he was executed, who was proven right for giving this young guy another shot? Mr. Encouragement. He was right all along. I think Barnabas, I think Mr. Encouragement wore off Paul's sharp edges. I think Mr. Encouragement made Paul a better man, a sweeter man. And I think Mr. Encouragement set a tone for all of Christendom by his gracious, magnanimous spirit and support for every person he met. So it's no surprise to me that Paul, having been influenced by his traveling companion, Barnabas, Mr. Encouragement, would urge the Thessalonians, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. I once coached a team of 10-year-old softball, a softball team for 10-year-old girls when Rachel was playing. And at the end of the season, as we were handing out awards, they presented me with a baseball cap that they had decorated. They painted on it, Mr. Encouragement. I actually went looking for that hat. I, I love that hat. Somehow it, I couldn't find it, but I don't think anyone could have given me anything that would have blessed me more. I certainly wasn't the best coach that they would ever play for. I wasn't the, the winningest coach that they would play for, but I was Mr. Encouragement. Is there anything that young people need now more than that? Is there anything that the world needs now more than that? We are desperate for encouragement. 
We live in a culture that is so quick to criticize, so quick to tear down, so quick to assume the worst and then broadcast it through the world. Encouragement is more and more rare and we have reduced it to the clicking of a like button or a repost. That's our version of encouragement, this effortless, mindless gesture. It may be the closest that many of us come to encouraging one another or being encouraged by one another. It is not enough. It is not nearly enough. Every person sitting around you needs encouragement. Whether they look like it or not. Whether they look like they have it all together or not. Everyone around you needs encouragement. Because we all feel at times inadequate to this thing called life. We all face challenges that dispirit us and deflate us. And if you aren't presently in that state, just wait a while. You'll be there soon enough. We don't know whether our marriage is going to make it. We don't know if we can stand another day on that job. We don't know if our savings is going to survive inflation. We aren't part of the in crowd at school and we sense being ignored and irrelevant and invisible and it's almost too much to bear. That's the reality of people right around you this morning. It might be your reality too. The power of encouragement the power of a single, well-chosen sentence of praise can transform the life of the person who feels anonymous, forgotten, worthless, abandoned, invisible. We have a young man on our staff named Connor. He's sitting up there in that booth. He is responsible for many of the beautiful production qualities that we enjoy on a Sunday morning. And I often speak to Connor for various reasons, almost without fail... At the end of every conversation, he will say, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I love that. I appreciate being appreciated. He's brand new to our team. He's separated from me by about three levels of reporting structure. And yet, his simple, regular words, I appreciate you, affect me. They encourage me. When was the last time you told someone you appreciate them, that you value them, that you believe in them, that you are proud of them? When was the last time you encouraged someone on purpose? And here's the punchline. I know all of you have this in you because if you are a Christian, Jesus has given you a gift. And he described that gift in John chapter 14. This was when they were in the upper room and Jesus was telling them he was about to leave. He was going to depart and leave them behind and they were a little terrified by the prospect. And this is what Jesus said. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Who was he talking about? The Holy Spirit, of course, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm leaving you and I know that freaks you out, but don't be afraid because I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. I will be with you forever. And what was the spirit's nickname when Jesus told him that? Helper. Did you see that? Helper. I'm going to give you another helper. I've been a helper to you. I'm going to give you another helper. And guess what the Greek word is? Paraklete. Paraklete. Helper, encourager. The very spirit of Christ who lives within us is a spirit of encouragement, a spirit of comfort, a spirit of affirmation. 
So when Paul urges believers to encourage one another, all he is simply saying is, allow the Spirit of Christ who lives within you, allow the Mr. Encouragement to shine through you. That encouragement that you receive from the Holy Spirit, pass it on. You become Mr. Encouragement, Ms. Encouragement. You become that person. Did you realize that encouragement is even built into our mission statement? Do you remember our mission statement? It's exalt Jesus, elevate others, and launch disciple makers. Did you see it there? Right in the middle. Elevate others. We didn't just say love others or serve others or care for others, although we could have. It's good biblical teaching, and it would certainly be a reflection of the heart and spirit of Jesus. But we thought Jesus calls us to more than that. He calls us to elevate others. To lift up people whom life has beaten down. To lift up spirits that have become deflated. To lift up hope when no hope can be found. To lift up a future when the present seems bleak. That is parakalete. This is the Holy Spirit ministry of encouragement. I have an encouragement nickname for you, don't I? What is it? You are my sweetheart church. My sweetheart church. And I call you that because it's true. Because you have been that to me for 35 years. You have loved and trusted and given and forgiven me. And encouraged me. Now there have been some exceptions, some discouragers. A friend of mine calls them boo-birds. So there have been a few boo-birds over the year. But not most of you. Most of you have been paracalete to me. And that's what I mean when I say you are my sweetheart church. I'm simply calling out who you are. I'm simply declaring who you have been to me. Just like Paul did to the Thessalonians. But here's the deal. I'm also calling you into what you will be. Someday I will not be your senior pastor. Someone, someday someone else is going to be standing here filling this pulpit. And you will be the same sweetheart church to that person that you have been to me. I know it because that is who you are. And that's who you will be. Encourage one another. Encourage on, on purpose, out loud, with words of praise, with notes of thanks, gifts of kindness, acts of service, affirmations of job well done. Encourage one another. Parents, encourage your children. Dads, especially, encourage your children. You have no idea the power of blessing that comes from your lips. You bless them. You tell them you love them. You tell them you're proud of them. You tell them all the things they do well, out loud, so that they know you actually know them. When our kids were still at home, every night that I put them to bed, I would bless them with a threefold formula, the same three words, love, I'm proud of you, and I know the good stuff you're doing. Cooper, I love you. Cooper, I'm proud of you. And let me tell the things that I've seen you doing that are so good. I love you, I'm proud of you, and I can list what you're doing that's good. The other night, our daughter Rachel was visiting Cooper and Deb and got to eavesdrop as they were putting Cece to bed. And Rachel listened in as her little brother told his 19-month-old daughter that he loved her, that he was proud of her, and then listed all the good things that she had done that day. He was passing on the blessing 
Did Cece understand everything he said? Absolutely, she's brilliant. Of course she did. <laughs> Every word. <laughs> but even if she didn't, she will. And she will be encouraged by it, and she will pass on that incredible gift given through the paraclete who lives within us, the gift of encouragement. Encourage one another and build one another up as you are already doing. Father, I thank you for this sweetheart church. It is a church of encouragement, not discouragement. It is a church that speaks hope and not despair. It is a church that calls people higher and not pushes them lower. That has been my experience here for all of these decades. That is our culture. What I ask, Holy Spirit, is that you would double down on that. You would give us hearts even more that recognize the need to speak words of affirmation and encouragement and then speak them. We find ways to look for people who could use a boost of spirit and we speak that encouragement into their lives. Holy Spirit, paraclete who lives within us, encourager, advocate, comforter, would you make us those kinds of people, encouragers, advocates, and comforters for our brothers and sisters in our church family. And as you do that, Lord, when people slip through the doors who don't yet know you, don't yet know what it means to be a part of your family, will they be so swept up in a spirit of encouragement that they will say, I have to be part of that. It is you who can do it, and so paraclete, we ask that you would do it now. Through Christ our Lord. Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.